Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. One more day of FixTheNation.com. Oh, why are we back today? Talk about, uh, I'll call it reform, to use a, a word. If I can say one word that would summarize 30 minutes. Um, used to call it resetting. Uh, I think, you know, resetting America is kind of one of the things that needs to happen. It's a great country. It has a great, phenomenal history and present and future. But it does need, every once in a while, a little bit of maintenance, a little bit of a tweak. Sometimes those tweaks happen, you know, fairly consistently. Therefore, they're less painful. And sometimes we just ignore a problem. Think about you and your health care. Let's say you have a, you know, a... I don't know, any kind of a health issue, and you ignore it, and you ignore it, and you ignore it. Does that typically make it better or typically make it worse? Right. That's what I thought. So usually when you see it, solve it in real time. When you deal with things sooner as opposed to later, you can catch problems when they're smaller. It's an easier resolution, and we can move on to bigger and better things. Okay. So here we sit in election year 2016, binary choices of Clinton versus Trump, and it's time to choose. And one of the candidates, Clinton, is completely defined by her policies. She's been there 30, 35 years. Tigers do not change their stripes. This is what she's been, what she's done, what she will do. It literally is that simple. If you think about what she's truly acted on and what she's actually done, a lot of her talk hasn't happened. And a lot of what she says she wants to do, she actually ends up doing the opposite. So if you kind of read between lines, you can understand her a lot better. She takes big money donors from Wall Street, but then speaks like she wants to take care of Main Street. You ever heard that saying, money talks and BS walks, right? Something like that? Right. Put up or shut up, right? I have absolutely no idea why she'd raise $50 million from hedge funds and Wall Street and then turn right around and vilify them, cut their knees off, hammer the crap out of them, raise their taxes, and reward all the little people like us. Right? doesn't make any sense. If you think it through commonsensically, what she's saying and what she will do will make no sense. What she's always done. She and Obama are locked at the hip. I want you to think about this day and age since 2008. Obama has had basically a free money policy through the Fed. You can borrow money at zero if you're a bank. It's almost free money. So you can't get a return on investment in a savings, savings account, any kind of a CD. Those are just gone. You have to go toward a riskier investment if you are a mom and pop, you know, mom and dad single investor, which is horrible, by the way, because we love to play conservative. Those investments are typically made, riskier investments are typically made for institutional players who have access and real money. The retail investor, me and you, that's not really for us. Separate day, though. We'll talk about that. The reason I bring that up is 
it's not it's not a money program that's incentivized capital investment, business investment. You know you've seen a lot of if you've been listening, stock buybacks, mergers acquisitions, dividend payments to stockholders. I want you I'm just 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 speak up. When's the last time a dividend payment created a job? When's the last time a stock buyback was good for the economy overall and helped build sales revenue or demand or spur innovation? Now, it's financial maneuvering. So they're taking all these monies and simply making their profits better. The 1%, 2%, the very tippy top, has absolutely been rewarded since 2008 in spades. That's where wealth creation has absolutely shown up. Who paid the price? Us. The middle class and the lower class, no offense, we took it in the shorts. We still are struggling. That's why there's such a dichotomy between the Wall Street and the Main Street players. Which brings me to reform. I got a tip for you. A lot of what we need to do in America is no longer a reset. It's, it's reaching a reform piece, reform entitlements, reform the tax code, reform immigration, reform energy, reform criminal justice. These are things that are just completely outdated in a sense. And they're not helping us, they're actually dragging us back. And I say it that way, they're all related, number one. Number two is, you need to think about reform and slip in the word change. It is very, very difficult to change when you, in fact, are the establishment. Yep, talking about Hillary Clinton. She's been there, done that. She is part of the establishment crowd. She's gotten rich off government. Don't ask me how that's possible because it's pretty disgusting to get there. She is a professional politician. It is what her life's dream was and is. She's there for herself. She wants to better her own resume, for lack of a better word. She's going to create wealth for herself and her friends. She's going to talk a good game. She's going to take America down the path of bigger government, of higher taxes, of burdensome regulations. She's going to kill more jobs, stifle more dreams, and take more of your hard-earned money. That is just simply a statement of fact. She's admitted it. She's platformed it. It's what she's done for the last 30 or 35 years. And remember, a tiger does not change her stripes. You are what you are. Bill Parcells would say, you are what your record says you are. And in this case, she's defined herself, so she needs to own that. 
She can't spin her way out of it, no matter how much she tries. She is not for change. She is status quo. She is establishment. She lives and works in D.C. It's what she likes to do. That's not our world. That is that professional political politician ivory tower bubble elitist that we've all come to know and quite frankly hate because they don't serve us. They expect us to serve them. Sad, pathetic truth. But it's also why 2016, this election year, is such an incredibly defining moment. We have someone as a possibility in Donald Trump. And again, let me preface for people who have not listened to FixNation.com before, I am not Trump trained. I am not all in for Donald Trump. There are things about him that I'm not thrilled about. I'm a historical Republican. I am conservative. I am reform-minded. We need fiscal discipline, and there are things about him that make me, I'm not going to say nervous. That's probably an overstatement, but make me a little, a little uh, hesitant. But I look at the two choices for me personally, and she's a hell no. I know what I get from her, and she doesn't represent anything I believe in. He, on the other hand, gives me a shot at a lot of what I want and doesn't highly insult me on things that I probably won't get from him, but will be in a better place with him than with her. But I say that for a reason. Reform, that's change. And change takes energy, it takes impetus, it takes fresh blood, it takes an a, a out-of-the-box thinker. And I want you to just think from the core foundation. You know why Wall Street wants her? Do you know why the establishment, both parties I might add, want her? Because you're talking about who has the power and the money currently. Who's being threatened by the very idea of Donald J. Trump for president? They are. Think about it. He's going to walk in and shake things up. That doesn't sit well with people who already exist in power. The more power you get, the more power you want. The more money you have, the more money you want. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good, Gordon Gecko, Wall Street. Right? To them, it's never enough on either angle, money or power. If power corrupts, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Because we're not dealing with power on the local level or the state level. We're dealing with the tip of the iceberg, the very tippy top of the mountain peak. And when you play king of the mountain, there's only one king or queen, not to be sexist. There's one person on top. There's one group on top. You can either knock them off or get knocked off yourself. So this defining moment, this election 2016, brings us to a fork in the road. 
status quo change. And when you vote in November, my hope and dream is that you will pull the lever for change. I am not completely comfortable with Trump, but I know certainly he's a better choice than she is. That's a fact. We're going to walk through some of the reforms that are needed because part of what he will need to do in these next 89, 90 days is to start to frame out his issues, staying to the big three, which is economy, immigration, national security. He will need to frame out some of our problems. He will need to create solutions for those problems. And then he will convince us he is, in fact, the leader to take us down that path to get those solutions delivered, keyword delivered. Remember, talk is cheap, right? You can talk the talk, but you need to walk the walk. Nothing worse than a liar who's a politician. And as offensive as Trump might be from time to time, there aren't a lot of times where he's blatantly lied. We may not want to hear what he says. Sometimes it's awkward, uncomfortable, but I got a tip for you. He's usually right. And it's just uncomfortable because we're not used to it. We're used to the land of America that we get participation trophies. We don't want to offend anyone. We're all-inclusive. We're warm and fuzzy. Got a tip for you. One, that's not America. We have winners and losers. Number two, the land of opportunity is not the land of the freeloader. There's a difference. One is you go get it and your reward is yours. And one is the government gives you a little stipend and you get by, but in actuality, you are forever oppressed. You choose. It's like having a jail cell with an open door, but you choose to sit in that little cage because it's just easier. If you left the cage, you'd have to go fend for yourself. If you stay in that cage, well, at least I can eat and I have a place to live. I guess that's enough. I know I only have one life, but I guess I'll just settle for this. And that's not okay. It should never be okay. We all deserve better than that. And I said all. There is no racism or sexism in all. Reform helps all. A rising tide raises all boats. So let's get into some of the reforms and how they're related, because that's kind of the chase of today. Trump talked yesterday about his economic plan. I will call it reform was a slice of that. Tax reform was a piece of that. And again, like I've been saying, Kevin Brady, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, and the, various, the committee itself, wrote a very solid tax reform package. Trump's embraced that for the most part. I have added some tweaks to it for various reasons. But my point is, if you do a tax reform package, it spurs growth. It gets corporate America back in the game to free up money for investment, to get money from overseas back in the U.S., to privately stimulate the economy. That's not government's job to stimulate an economy. It's actually the private sector job to go excel within the environment the government, federal, provide for it. 
So Trump needs to remove the burden of regulation, lower the burden of taxes, and provide an environment that corporate wants to excel in. Two, immigration reform. You need to get that done because immigration, and this is all how it's all related, by the way, immigration reform is dealing with the dilution of the labor pool. The floodgates have been open, and this has nothing to do with who's coming in or how they're coming in. It has everything to do with the numbers that are coming in. Two problems. One, it dilutes the labor pool. So therefore, your minimum wage stays lower and your middle income stays lower because that's what it affects. People don't come here and dilute the, the upper class. It dilutes the middle and lower class, those wages, because there's an excess of labor because you're bringing people into the workforce from outside. Two, they're not assimilating into the culture. So there's a cultural rift. That economic price we pay, both in wages and the cost of bringing immigrants and carrying immigrants on our backs, is a painful one. There are economic implications. Part of immigration is also a national security concern. We need to reform how we handle it so we can protect ourselves. One of the things that all Americans want is to have a feeling that we are safe. We used to feel we're safe. 20 years ago, we didn't have a conversation about terrorism on a daily basis. We didn't discuss national security because we were a superpower that was strong and protected on our shores. And then 9-11 hit. And we got a real big wake-up call that we were vulnerable. And recently, I'm talking 2016 now, you've had a mass increase of called soft targets, being hit all over Europe. That's part of their world now. That's what open borders did for them. And forget the premise of open borders versus closed borders on a theory basis. You need to deal with a reality check. Open borders put us in harm's way. That is the, the, the way of life in 2016. And you have to come to grips with that. Is it worth that price? Question mark. What about entitlement reform? See, here's the kicker, what nobody wants to deal with. I talked national debt yesterday, so I'm not going to get too far into that. But part of the entitlement push is the baby boomers are retiring. So now they're, as they get older, they're demanding more. There's a health care need. There's a social security push. And entitlements and defense capture 80.5% of our federal budget. 80.5. There's not a lot left over once those two big chunks get taken care of. The discretionary piece of our government, and yes, most of that has to get spent anyway, is very, very limited. So dealing with the elephant in the room, which is entitlements, critical, but neither candidate is dealing with that in a substantive way. You need to get revenue for it, and you need to reduce spending on it. And those are difficult beasts. Part of my tax plan reform fixes that in some way. Two pieces up. 
my entitlement form that I've written would absolutely tier the Social Security program in age brackets and what the reward would be. There'd be income qualifiers. Now, you can hate it all you want, but given the fact that Social Security goes bankrupt in about 13, 14 years, you need to get over the fact that it's going to be changing and deal with the fact that it needs to change now, not down the road. Because the sooner you deal with the problem, the softer the answer is. The longer you wait, the worse off you are. Action, reaction. Truth, consequences. But no one wants to deal with that kind of package because it's toxic. National debt. We need to reform how we spend money at the federal government level. Zero balanced budget during Obama's entire eight-year run. Pathetic and sad. Not one time could he balance the books. Not once. Love to spend people's money that he didn't have. How that, that that's forget being unethical or immoral. That should almost be illegal. If we did it, we'd be in jail. If a business did it, they'd be in jail. If the state did it, they'd be in jail. But the federal level, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. It's stimulative. No, it's not. It's destructive. It's the easy way out. When you spend money that you don't have, you are simply writing a check that you can't cash for a future generation. President Obama needs to look at his kids and say, here you go, I just gave you $10 trillion in debt to pay off on your generation. I want those little girls to look right back at Daddy and say, Daddy, but why would you do that to me? Sorry, girls, but it was easier. I didn't want to make tough choices. That's a fact. $10 trillion, more than doubled during Obama's watch, not including the three additional trillion dollars at the Federal Reserve. Exit strategy, zero. Transparency doesn't exist. So why reform? Pretty simple. You need to fix what's broken. America is the greatest country ever, but we have some in- just, just some insanities that we need to deal with. Think about this one. Education. You can say you love America all you want. You can say you love or hate Common Core. But answer me this riddle. How come we are the number one spender of education in the history of history as a nation, yet we rank 25th to 30th in education historically? Why is that? How could we spend so much and get so little? Answer? It's a design problem. We aren't set up for success. At the federal level, we have just simply not gotten it done. We need to change. We need to reform education and take it in a much different path so future generations are set up for the very success they need because it ripples through all of what we need. They're not set up for industries. 
They're not set up for college. They are not set up for success in business. And because of lack of education, they can't get a good job, which goes to criminal justice. Because now we have people who need to provide for their families and pursue means that aren't even legal. Shame on us because we put them in that position to fail and then hold them accountable when they very fail, when they fail. Another example, National Urban League. They have this mainstream Marshall Plan to revitalize inner city poverty. Like the plan, I agree with the premise. Here's the problem. They want big government to fix it all. No, because part of the very premise that he writes is we've spent trillions over decades and still haven't moved the needle. Now, I'm going to say that one more time. We've spent trillions of dollars over decades and haven't moved the needle. Hmm. Let's go back to Einstein. Definition of insanity is do the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Why would we spend more trillions over more decades and expect this to be indifferent? I agree with deal with it. I agree it needs to be solved. How we do it is where the reform comes in. But it's all connected. You know that money that's offshore, that $2 trillion plus in corporate profits being held offshore because they don't want to bring it home and pay this huge corporate 35% tax? I agree they should pay 35% of money they've already paid tax on. But they can, if we knocked it down to 15% one-time repatriation fee and channel that money to the Small Business Administration and take half that money and target specifically to inner cities and minority small business development, think about what that would do. If we could get that to hook up with the private sector on a local basis, we can fix inner city poverty as opposed to regurgitate the same insanity over and over and over again. But one of these, uh, the things we need to take just complete understanding of, we're all in or we're not all in. If you want the status quo, don't reform a thing. Leave everything because here's the path you're on. Growth, which is anemic, okay, will not create jobs. So you won't have jobs. You'll have less. We're going to fall in a recession. The Federal Reserve does not have bolts to fight this time. We're already $19 trillion plus in debt. So we can't spend our way out of it. Entitlements will be bankrupt in 13 or 14 years because we won't change course. The education that we have will always continue, so we'll spend a lot of money and get very little from it. Criminal justice will not get reformed, so minorities will get thrown in jail over and over and over again because that's what receivatism is because the culture we've created provides for it. It's their way. Unless you make change, unless you reform, the insanity will continue. It's all related. We need to reform taxes, reform immigration, reform energy, reform criminal justice, reform entitlements, reform education. We need to downsize the federal government so we spend less and get the books in order so we don't create the insanity of increasing our national debt through deficit spending over and over and over again. And the only people standing in the way 
are the elitists in Washington establishment and the 2% wealthy in Wall Street because they've got the power and the money and they don't like change. It threatens their very existence and world of the money and power they love and cherish. Pull the lever in November. You pull that lever. Pull it for reform. Pull it for change. Pull it for Trump. Because she, in fact, is the status quo. She is everything you despise about D.C. And that is not anything about her being a female. It's not about that. None of this is race. None of this is gender. All this is about America being the best that this country can be and provide the land of opportunity so all of us can chase the dreams we want. If you're youth, if you're a millennial, you need to understand that your generation will carry a heavy burden or you can change path right now and be part of your own solution so that when you get to a point where you want to buy that house, have that job, get married, have your kids, your kids go to school, you will have the best possible situation because you chose to vote for change. This is FixNation.com. Check it out, at FixNation. You can reach me via Twitter, FixNation.com website, three books on Amazon.com. Listen to me. I'll be here every single day through Election Day. Take care. God bless.